hello. I knew if I could make it from that seat to right here, I would be okay. <laughs> um, I have to say first, I don't know, maybe if I look right there, but babe, I love you so much. And I could never teach a word without your love and support. And um, I know the Savior's love through you. And to my kiddos, I'm bringing home all kinds of yummy snacks and goodies that they've spoiled me with, and you will be so excited when I get home tomorrow. So I will have all that in my suitcase. Ladies, thank you for coming to this. I don't take it lightly that you've sacrificed time and money to be here. Um, Linda has asked me first to share just a second about the podcast. Um, in 2019, I called up my college friend, Jen, with an idea. Many months prior to me calling her, the Lord had put a vision in my heart to start a podcast. I had finally joined the 21st century in owning a smartphone, and my friend Laura had introduced me to my very first podcast. I listened and I was hooked. We were still settling down in our new state of Georgia, our new home and our new church. I was settling into new friendships. Podcasts became such a tool of encouragement in my life. I could, for free, at any time, listen to a podcast on any number of subjects and find hope for my heart and help from his word. Shortly after discovering this new avenue of encouragement, a favorite author of mine started a podcast, and it was then that I began to think, what if I? As I'd listened to conversations and teaching from this host and that host, I could see the faces of women I knew or hoped to meet and knew that there were stories to be shared. In a world where we are more often than not bombarded with bad news, I saw an opportunity to share stories of faith, grace, and overcoming adversity with like-minded Christians. I began praying over this little vision of what could be, and the Lord showed me our church, at the time, our very new church plant. I had found my own equipping through these newly discovered podcasts, but I'd yet to find one that was like-minded in our church ministry realm. I saw the faces of the women in our church, and the Lord said to my heart, equip them. And only God knew what was to come in just a year's time in 2020 when he would use the podcast to meet needs and serve others when we were so isolated. There was and is still so much my husband and I want to provide for our church all at once, but growing a ministry takes time, resources, and people. And it was to this truth that the Lord gave me the desire of my heart there are few things I love more than a good cup of coffee and great conversation with a friend, new or old. So as God affirmed his will, he began opening door after door for conversation after conversation to be shared to provide trusted biblical encouragement for the women of our church. To this date, I have interviewed 51 women, some of whom are here today. I've also interviewed some of their husbands, partnering with guests from all over the world, each one a resource to glean wisdom, hope in Christ, and help from his word to share with his church. And God has in turn taught, challenged me, and grown me in so many ways that I often wonder if that was really his plan all along. And so the Friend to Friend podcast began on May the 13th, 2019, sharing my heart behind each episode with this mission statement.
the friend to friend podcast hope for your heart and help from his word i hope you'll join me as i share friend to friend conversations with women who've been there done that and can point us to our savior who walked them through it it's my desire to have conversations with women who are meeting god in the mess of their living room or the mess of their heart women who have met christ in the center of their chaos women who have followed god through their valley and are still holding tight to his hand Women who pursue friendship through extending their own, strengthening relationships with both believers and unbelievers, all for the sake of the gospel. I hope you've had a chance to tune in. If you've only ever tuned in once, I thank you. I thank you more than anything if you've shared it with someone to be an encouragement and perhaps a tool that you've used to pass along. Um, Before I get started, I have a sweet sister friend who many of you probably know, and she has been an encouragement and a mentor to me. And we prayed together earlier this week, and I told her how nervous I was, and she said, Jessica, these are just sisters in Christ, and you need to go in your kitchen and pick out your most favorite mug and pack it and take it with you. And so I have my mug with, well, I have kind of a fetish for mugs. I need to stop buying them. It's It's a real problem. But they just keep making so many beautiful mugs. So recently, my husband took me to see the play of Anne of Green Gables. It was a belated Christmas gift. And I bought this mug. It's Anne and Diana, if you can see it. And on the back, it says Kindred Spirits. Does anybody else love Anne of Green Gables like I do? Oh, okay, we can talk about all that at supper time. But so I have this mug here. We don't, I see so many familiar faces, some of my friends that are right here that I love so much. And, um... So we don't have time to get super familiar, but if you were in my home, we're just gonna have to fast forward and pretend like we are just the best of friends. If you were in my home, I would tell you to kick off your shoes and I would get you a cup of hot tea or coffee or cocoa or water or whatever you would like. And we would curl up, you would curl your feet up on my couch and I would love to hear your story. And so I can't hear all of your stories today, but I'm so excited to share with you something that God has shared with me at the beginning of this year that has spoken to my heart in such a way that it helped me exactly where I was and in what I needed. And so in your mind, or if you want to kick your shoes off, you've got your mug, and we're going to just pull our feet up on the couch and have a chat. But I'm going to pray first. Lord, you are my good shepherd, and I love you. Thank you for being my Savior and my guide. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your grace and your love and your mercy. Thank you for your kindness and your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, for making me new and for restoring my soul, Lord. You are so good to me, and I praise you and thank you for your goodness. God, I praise you and thank you for this opportunity to share my heart today. And I pray, God, that you would just bind the enemy, Lord, and that you would bind any spirit of contention or criticism or jealousy or envy and so many evil things that can... Lord, find its way in our hearts and our friendships and amongst women in our churches. Lord, I pray that that would not be the case today, but that we would all just gather at your feet, Lord, and we would hear from your word and draw closer to you because of it. Thank you for Christ who makes us sisters in Christ, Lord, and I praise you for that. Lord, I love you. Help me, Lord, to say only what I should say. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to start in 1 Samuel chapter 8. If you want to go ahead and um, turn there, we'll start there. In January, or leading up to January, I often anticipate a new year with hope for a fresh start, a clean slate and expectations for a better, you fill in the blank of what it might be for you. 
Regardless of the victories and growth of the past year, a new year always lays before me like a gift to be received with new successes to be achieved. Despite the memes and the jokes that were circulating around the approaching year of 2022, I was optimistic for the coming new year, and then it came. January 1st, 2022 came and went, leaving me ready to turn back the clock. I had spent New Year's Eve up and down with a restless child that left me tired and cranky on New Year's Day. My quiet time with the Lord came and went without my Bible even being opened, with prayers left unspoken for others. The previous Christmas vacation had been full of staying up late, sleeping in, playing too much, working too little, and I was ready to reset our schedules of routine and discipline. Monday was coming. My kids were headed back to school. And then school was canceled for a week because their teachers were sick. For the next many weeks, I was to re receive phone call and texts almost daily from friends, family, including my parents, and church members who were ill. 2022 began feeling a lot like 2020, and I just wasn't sure if I was up for a repeat. I craved new, and I found it lacking in everything around me. I found myself looking for new in all the wrong places. 1 Samuel chapter 8, we're going to turn our attention there for a moment, but in chapter 4, or I'm sorry, in chapter 8 in verse 4, the Israelites have lost their faith in God. They're only able to see the prophet Samuel, who the Bible says here, we're going to look in verse 4, then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. All they could see was that Samuel was old and that his sons walked not in his ways, in the Lord's ways. In 1 Samuel 8, 6 through 9, it says, But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. Now therefore hearken unto their voice, howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. Samuel tells the, Lord's tells the Lord the people's request. The Lord has seen their idol worship in the wilderness and knows this pattern of behavior all too well of his children to reject his reign and rule in, his life, in their lives. The Lord says, give them what they want. But in his mercy and grace, he also says to protest solemnly, to warn them of all that a king will take from them. Look down in verse 19 and it says, well, Samuel does. He goes through and he warns them in verses 10 through 18. And then in verse 19, it says, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. The Israelites demanded a king like other nations. They wanted someone to judge them to go out before them and to fight their battles. They began looking at other nations and comparing themselves, and we know all too well the trouble we get ourselves into when we start comparing. They had been distracted from God's faithfulness to fulfill these roles in the past and found themselves looking for new in all the wrong places. 
The Israelites wanted something new and an earthly king that they could see. Their spiritual eyes of faith had grown dim. A few days back to present day, a few days into January, I opened my email to find a newsletter, and the title of the newsletter was, When the New Year Doesn't Feel New. And I subscribe to a podcast that will send me newsletters regularly, and um, as soon as I read that, When the New Year Doesn't Feel New, I instantly popped that email open because I, that just went straight to my heart. I said, I have got to read this. I opened the email in hopes to find what I was looking for, and the email was full of very good content. But despite my hopes, it left me still looking. I had sat down to write this lesson, hoping to focus my attention on scattered thoughts and a rough outline that I had jotted down, and I had opened the email as a welcome escape. But as I turned my attention back to the verses and the notes that I had scribbled down, his spirit gently spoke to my heart and said, you're looking for new in all the wrong places. And he brought my attention to the story of the Israelites. Just like the Israelites had wanted deliverance from the enemies of Egypt and the New Testament Christians wanted deliverance from Rome, we too can get caught up in wanting deliverance from an outward conflict, all the while missing God's intent entirely. We look for new in all the wrong places, a new year, a new job, new friends, a new ministry, new government, a new season, new church, new relationships, a new outfit, a new diet, a new outward circumstance. We demand new from life and end up disappointed in the vanity of what we thought would fulfill us. It's a pattern of life that the children of Israel, like all of humanity and myself, know all too well. Skip forward to 1 Samuel chapter 11, Verse 12 through 15, the Bible says, And the people said unto Samuel, Who is he that said, Shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men that we may put them to death. And Saul said, There shall not a man be put to death this day, for today the Lord hath wrought salvation in Israel. Then said Samuel to the people, Come, and let us go to Gilgal, and renew the kingdom there. And the people went to Gilgal, and, Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. And there they sacrificed sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord. And there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. The Israelites dismissed God's warning, demanding a king, and King Saul is who they got. Saul was handsome and strong and able, and he succeeds for a time, but then lifted up in pride, disobeys the prophet Samuel, and the Lord takes the kingdom from him. The kingdom is then given to David a humble shepherd boy, the unlikely deliverer. We see that in uh, chapter 16 and verse 7. He was a man after God's own heart. David would be used by God to foreshadow a greater shepherd to come. He would defeat Goliath and point the Israelites to a greater David who would defeat the Goliath of sin and death. Where Saul pointed to himself, David would point the people to their Savior, our Savior who came as the most unlikely deliverer of them all. 2022 leaves no lack for desiring of deliverance. Deliverance from war and rumors of war, illness and death, an antichrist culture and prevalent delusion. Scale it back to what lies inside our homes, and I find myself wanting deliverance from responsibility, burdens, pain, discomfort, and my own sinful heart. The enemy wants to distract me with false kings, with idols of worship that promise deliverance, but they only leave me lacking. They only take from me. That day, sitting at my kitchen table, I was discouraged, I confess. The Holy Spirit reminded me that my shepherd king has come 
and I need only look to him for deliverance and all things new. He reminded me of first how he is my good shepherd. He is Christ, my suffering servant. We're going to look at Psalm chapter 22. In Psalm chapter 22, and I would encourage you to go back and read all of these verses, but for sake of time, I'm just going to read verses 14 through 18. And here we see a picture of Christ, our suffering servant, the good shepherd. It says in verse 14, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. We know that this is a prophecy of Christ, our suffering servant. And then we're going to turn and look over at John chapter 10, our New Testament example here. John 10 and verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd whose own sheep, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down for my, of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. That day sitting at my table looking at those jotted notes that I had down in a notebook, I was reminded that Christ, our suffering servant, is my good shepherd. And because of that, I received so many new things. At salvation, I receive a new heart. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you an heart of stone. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, I am promised that at salvation I am made a new creature. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And then also, I, I'm given a new ministry. I'm no longer called to serve myself, but I'm called to serve others. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. I am most often my own worst enemy. I get tired of the old man of my life um, before Christ trying to take over again, tempting me to serve sin and self. I am my biggest critic and hardest judge. But because of Christ, our suffering servant, my sin has already been judged, and I am made righteous and redeemed. So I'm reminded that Christ is my good shepherd, my suffering servant. And then secondly, that he is my great shepherd. He is Christ, our risen Savior. Look back at Psalm in uh, Psalm chapter 23, verses 1 through 6. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And then look over at Hebrews chapter 13. In verse 20, the Bible says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that's our risen Savior, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Because we have a great shepherd, ladies, he is our risen Savior. And because of that, every day he offers me new things. He offers me new mercies. The Bible says in Lamentations 3, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. Every day he gives me new strength. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And I am promised a new mind. Ephesians 4.22 says that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Friends, so often the monotony of life and mundane routines can feel old, and I'm sometimes tempted to look outside of God's will for something new and exciting. But because of Christ, our risen Savior, I have a great shepherd who gently leads me every day and satisfies me to the fullest. Like the hymn says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And where does he live? He lives within my heart. And then next, I'm reminded that I have a chief shepherd. He is Christ, our future glory, and our coming King. In Psalm 24, verses 7 through 10, it says, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye ever and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Selah. And then in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 4, the Bible tells us here, it said, now this verse and this crown of glory is talking about it being given to pastors and the under shepherd, but he's referred to here as our chief shepherd. It says, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Because I have an chief shepherd who is returning one day. He is Christ, my future glory and coming king. I am promised that there is a new day coming. First Thessalonians 4 says, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I am promised a new day, and I'm almost also promised a new heaven and a new earth. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 5 says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, 
For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Friends, we all have battles that we've fought, that we're fighting now, or battles that we've yet to fight. But battles exist because the enemy is real. He seeks to mar our testimonies and blind believers to the gospel. I've been tempted to wave a white flag of surrender in the midst of marriage or motherhood, ministry, and most often in my mind. I get tired of the fighting, but then I'm reminded to look to the chief shepherd, Christ, our future glory, who did fight my battle on the cross and will return to fight the last battle, defeating our enemy for good. Friends, as I see my Savior as my good shepherd, great shepherd, and chief shepherd, I am reminded that God rarely seeks to deliver me from my circumstances, but always desires to deliver us from the idols of our hearts to serve the one true God, to make our hearts new in Christ and restore us from the inside out so that we can face the circumstances and through his power glorify God in the midst of evil. We beat the enemy at his own game when what he means for evil is used for not only our good, but others' good and for his glory. It's his heart's desire. 2 Corinthians 6.16 says, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. God did deliver the Israelites from Egypt, and yet the idols of their hearts followed them into the wilderness. God sent deliverance to New Testament Christians, yet not through a soldier to overthrow Rome with an army, but through a baby in a manger to deliver their souls. It wasn't deliverance from outward oppression that God's people needed, but deliverance from their inward sinful condition. The same deliverance we are continually in need of today and is made possible through our Savior. The encouragement is simple, friends. Guard your hearts from distraction. Don't allow outward frustrations to cause you to neglect the inward trans transformation that our shepherd king promises to provide. The Israelites wanted a king who would be their judge, who would lead them by going out before them, and one to fight their battles. Friends, we serve a shepherd king who does just that. Have your eyes of faith grown dim? Are you unable to see clearly who he is? The good shepherd is our righteous judge. He judged our sin on the cross of Christ. He is our great shepherd who goes before us daily leading us to green pastures and beside still waters because we serve a risen Savior. And he is our chief shepherd who battled sin and death, winning the victory, and he will return one day as our conquering king. 
All the new that I crave is found in the only one who can make all things new, my Savior, my Shepherd, Jesus Christ. We have to keep our eyes on the Shepherd King, yielding to his leading and looking forward to his coming. While we wait, we keep inviting others into the fold. A few weeks ago, I should back up, a few months ago, I reconnected with a friend that I met at this cute little shop that she owns in town. And I invited her to church. I hope she comes to church with her family. She's a mom like I am, a wife. She's pregnant. She's expecting another child. And we've become friends. She came over to my home a few weeks ago, and we had a play date. But I just didn't feel like we were going to see her at church soon. And sometimes it's easy to rely on giving a gospel track and hoping that they'll walk through the doors on Sunday morning to hear the gospel in order to avoid witnessing. And that's where I was. But the Lord just kept working on my heart, and I knew that I needed to share the gospel with my new friend. And so last week, I made plans to go to her little shop one morning and to hopefully catch her at a good time. And I got up that morning, and I had myself so nervous, friends. I have to confess that since 2020 and the pandemic and all that's going on in the world, I had my, I've had myself fearful. And I just knew I needed to go further with her. And so I sang scripture all the way to the shop, and I prayed, and I had some close friends praying. And I got to the shop that morning, and I knew it was time. I knew it was time to introduce my friend to my shepherd king. And so we made small talk for a minute, and then um, started to talk about church, and then I, which led into me sharing my testimony with her. And then I asked her, or I told her, I said, friend, I don't know how I could be a wife or a mother without my relationship with Christ. I said, has anybody ever shared that with you before, how you can have a personal relationship with Christ? And she said, no. And I said, can I share that with you? Can I just pull a chair up here and I'll show you from God's word how you can know that? And she said, yes. And in my mind, I said, really? And for the next maybe 30 minutes, we sat in her cute little shop, and I opened God's word, and I shared with her scripture after scripture after scripture. We got to the part about hell, and I thought, oh, this woman is going to think I'm crazy. And I, when I was done talking about it, she said, wow, that's scary. And I kept going. And at the end, I asked her, I said, do you believe that? I said, is that something you would want to do? Would you want to trust Christ as your Savior? And she said, yes. And she bowed her head and she trusted Christ as her Savior. And as I left that day, many things were going through my mind. But I thought, Satan is a liar. And there's no need to fear ever sharing the gospel with some and introducing them to the shepherd. There are women that trim your hair, check you out at the grocery line, run the favorite shop that you love in town that you go to, and they need to know the shepherd. They're in desperate need of it. And Satan is a liar, and people do still get saved, and they want to receive the gospel. And so I urge you, friends, get to know your shepherd, because when you know him clearly and closely, you can't help but share him with others.